Warning, what you are about to hear contains strong graphic content of a sexual nature. Parental guidance advised. I'm concerned, Michael. I think that you're a child molester. I think that you are out here preying on children by the conversation that I personally had with you because you messaged me first. I was the first one you talked to. And the things that you were saying, you literally were grooming the child. You immediately wanted to get sexual. And you literally asked a 12 year old child to sit on your lap. That is like the definition of fucking chomoism. Um, you're, that's, I promise I'm not. Well, I have not been on hit. Probably, yeah, my new, my profile says I'm new. I don't know. So you what were like, I'm gonna get in, kick, and no, try to fuck some know. kids. I don't know what in my mind made me think that it was a good idea to even get on there. Yeah, that's, yeah. you know, dude. I, you, I think you that's twelve years. Twelve years old. That's the definition of a fucking pedophile, bro. You know that, huh? Mm -hmm. So are you a pedophile? Are you a pedophile? Yes, I am. Yep. Yeah. And I need to get help. I know. I'm so sorry, and I know you don't have to give it to me, but I'm just begging for a second chance. I would love to feel how wet your panties are getting pressed up against my dick. Oh, hell no. To a 12 year old, remind to a 12 you. 12 year old. You're a, a grown ass man. Sixth grader. Sixth fucking grader, bro. That sounds so much worse than just saying 12. A sixth grader. I know. You're, you're 29 years old, right? That's right? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Can't hear you. Stop trying to fake cry, because we don't care. I, I have no sympathy to you. Yeah, the, you can be upset, you can do all that. I don't care. I don't I know, give a shit. I yeah, the I'm, thought of, I'm not bro, trying to work anybody. The fucking, I'm just apologizing. Yeah, as much as I can yeah you should apologize, dude. Chance. The thought of me, the thought a of me. Second chance, dude, buddy. Dude. You ruined your life yeah, yourself. There hey, ain't no second chances hey, the in thought this. Of me, the thought of me trying to hook up with a 12-year-old, I can't even fucking imagine it, bro. We're almost the same age. I cannot even imagine or even me, hang out. Me, uh, yeah, even meeting up, meeting up with a twelve-year-old. To go to a bookstore. Are you kidding me? What's going on? Well, all the evidence no. is going to be turned over to the police. Are you kidding me? I'm begging. Are you kidding me? I'm a mother, and please. let me say, my child is the same age. And please. you're lucky. That's please, all I'm doing, please, buddy. Please, please, please. Are you kidding me? Please. You I'm need, begging. No, I don't give a shit. You need to. First of all, you need to call your wife right now before I call her. Because immediately when this life is over, I'm calling her and letting her know. So either she hears it from me or she hears it from you. She might stay with you. A lot, a lot of these predators, their wives stay with them for some odd reason. So you might get lucky. What's gonna happen? I don't know, sir. What do you mean? What's you gonna happen to you? You're a 29-year-old man. You know better. You're a nurse. I don't even have to ask. What do you mean what's gonna happen to you? You went to school, you're not dumb, you're not an idiot, you know. Please, 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 I please. You should have thought about that before you said it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I'm so sorry. You couldn't have done it and showed your fucking wife, here's my dick, I'm so horny. But instead you wanted to prey on a 12 year old, you would have ruined her life forever. For your little five minutes of excitement, you would have ruined a child. How does that make you fucking feel? You're not, you're so concerned with us, you're so concerned with getting caught, you're so concerned with your career. Think about what the fuck you're doing, Michael. I know, and I That's what's fucked up. What you're doing. Change, there ain't no fucking change for you, nasty ass son of a bitch. Like, it's hard to feel sorry for you, dude. You were here, I mean, a 12-year-old. A fucking 12, that's a, that's a fucking kid, bro. Like, like, you know, it's not even like, you know, it's a 15-year-old. Well, they look older, so, you know, you can, they, they can fool you, maybe. This is a fucking... Oh, you wanted them to look younger. There just are really no words for what we just heard, but we will do our best when we come back. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to this 145th episode of Perception is Reality. We'll be right back. Perception is Reality. 
really cool. You could touch it, it's okay. Juliana was sexually assaulted by her stepfather when she was only eight years old. Every incident, he got bolder and bolder until one day he was bold enough to take my virginity. When she was 15, she finally told her mother. She kept asking me the same question over and over. Are you sure? Are you sure it wasn't a fantasy? Me and my mother no longer have a relationship. Juliana then found the volunteers at Rain, which help her and other sexual abuse survivors. That's why Rain plays such a huge part in my life, because I get to share my story and I get to empower other people. Call 800-656-HOPE or visit rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N.org for free, confidential, 24-7 support. Perception. Perception, Perception is reality. Reality. All right, back to work we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Perception is Reality. This is episode... 145. Thank you for joining Amber and I. And we are going to have what I consider to be a pretty difficult conversation. What we're going to be talking about in this episode is not fun. It's not exciting or entertaining to me. And I honestly don't believe it should be for anyone else. It is a very unpleasant topic. It is very concerning. However, it is not a topic that I believe that we should shy away from. I feel conflicted about various aspects concerning what we are getting ready to talk about. And I will explain that, and we will go through that, and I'm sure Amber will have plenty to say as well. But before we get started with that, I do feel as though I need to walk you through a little background on what we are talking about. As you heard there in the intro during that audio clip, I'm sure you're probably able to kind of piece together what that was. If you're not familiar, that audio was provided by a group on Facebook called PCI, Predator Catchers Indianapolis. And there is a small network of these individuals a group out of Indianapolis, a group out of Muncie, and a group out of Anderson. I'm sure I could see this growing, as well as there are other groups that are not affiliated with PC Indianapolis, PC Muncie, or PC Anderson. So there are other groups in other communities. There are other groups that do the same thing, but they just are different people. And, of course, there are many other groups all over the world. If you're on social media, this is something that has really popped up in the last couple of years that uh, I've noticed people utilize their social media accounts to uh, perform this kind of vigilante service where they act as young children. You have adults, men and women who are decoys, they go online under a fake profile and they act like they are boys and girls that are 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. <clears throat> uh, depending on which state you're in and what the legal age of consent is in said state, they're, they're always trying to be under that age of consent, obviously. <clears throat> and they just go into various groups and rooms and they wait until 
men and women start to send them private messages, asking them questions, and in pretty quick order, the conversation turns sexual in nature. And it pretty much always follows a regular kind of uh, course of, of action. Basically, they get hit up, they start to talk a little bit, as a young kid would do, and the person quickly becomes sexual in nature, and then in quick order from there, the target will start sending the decoy pictures of their genitals. Uh, they will start talking very sexually explicit with these decoys. And then, pretty quickly, they will ask to meet up. Okay? Now, this is not new. Okay? This is something that has been going on for a very long time. The, the decoy groups. If you all can think back to November of 2004 when a little-known TV show called To Catch a Predator took off on NBC. All right, It was part of the Dateline NBC programming, and that the show was ran by uh, veteran investigative reporter Chris Hansen, and they would work with uh, basically a watchdog cyber security group called Perverted Justice, where they had a bank of trained individuals who were trained in various aspects of the law and counseling and uh, kind of like a psychological profiling type of uh, training that they would go through, and they knew what words to say and what not to say. And they would do basically the same thing, where they would hang out in chat groups and message boards and on social media and, and on the internet. And they would be in a, a disguise, basically. They would have a decoy account where they were underage, and they would then allow these men to message them. They never sought the men out, apparently. You know, the premise is they were minding their own business, and these men and women would hit them up and then they would allow the conversation to continue. And they would record the entire conversation, and they would record all of the pictures and videos that they would receive of you know sexually explicit material and content. Uh, generally, it would be you know dick pics, genital pics, um, videos of masturbation, and, and so on and so forth. And then when this group got connected with uh, Dateline NBC and Chris Hansen, they set up a bait house, and in some situations, they did it without law enforcement. In other situations, law enforcement was connected, and what they would do is they would say, yeah, meet me here. My parents are out, and they would have the target show up to the house. The house was wired for sound and had cameras everywhere, and it was always arranged that the target was to walk through the door because no one was there, and the quote-unquote young person was getting ready, and the, the, the target would always walk through the door. Like, who would do that? That's so crazy, and it shows a breakdown in the way that most of these people think, you know, in my opinion. They would walk in, and the decoy would say, Hey, I'm in the back. I'm, I'm getting ready. I'll be right out. Just hang out in the kitchen. 
mom made some cookies or something to that effect, and they'd be eating cookies or whatever. And Chris Hansen would then pop out and say, have a seat, and they would talk. And he would say, what are you doing here? And the person would always act shocked because at first they thought Chris was a cop. And so they would do what he said, and Chris would always say, I'm not the police. You're free to leave whenever you want. I would like to talk to you. They would think maybe Chris was the person's parent. And he would say, nope. And he would tell them what it was. And the person would say, always, it just always followed the same pattern. Oh, I wasn't here to do anything. I was here to talk with this person. I wanted to hang out with this person. I was going to tell them about the dangers of meeting people online. And then they they started getting smart. The decoys would ask the targets to bring something. They would ask for them to bring, like, rope and handcuffs and other... Uh, toys that you know folks use in sexual activity and uh, condoms or beer and then you know it would always turn into well you brought a minor beer you brought condoms and so uh, that was how it kind of played out there were a lot of these that they did coinciding this investigation with law enforcement so that once the target left the house there was a law enforcement team outside ready to take these individuals down and they uh, would be arrested and the law enforcement team would have all of the evidence. They were involved with this from the start so they knew what they could do and couldn't do as law enforcement officers and they would effect an arrest and a prosecution would occur and these people would actually be charged, okay? Now, in 2007, this series ended with uh, some controversy because of uh, various issues that uh, that arose. Um, the The show was canceled because there was an assistant uh, district attorney who shot himself after he was caught talking to and exchanging pictures with perverted justice volunteers uh, po- that, who were posing as a 13-year-old boy. And when this district attorney did not show up for a prearranged meeting, NBC and local police tracked him to his home. He had committed suicide as police and NBC cameras entered his home. I don't know what the NBC camera crew was doing entering his home. Uh, An interview with Time Magazine, Chris Hansen opined that the show had simply run its course. The original episodes of To Catch a Predator continue to air occasionally on MSNBC, according to Wikipedia. Okay, in late 2007, the sister of the district attorney who killed himself, Patricia Condrett, uh, subsequently sued NBC Universal, saying that police had raided the home of the district attorney's house uh, at the behest of NBC. And in January of 2008, a federal judge, Denny Chen, dismissed most of Patricia's claims, but found she had a reasonable chance of proving that NBC had pressed police into engaging in un- unreasonable and unnecessary tactics solely for entertainment value, thus creating a substantial risk of suicide or other harm. He also found that the sister could prove that the police disregarded their duty to prevent Kondrick from killing himself and that NBC's actions amounted to conduct so outrageous and extreme that no civilized society would tolerate it. NBC and the sister reached an undisclosed settlement in June. So, Here starts to be a little bit of the issue. Yes, taking a child predator 
off the street, exposing someone for having this type of behavior, nobody can disagree with that. Having that action turn into entertainment where people are cheering and they're starting to laugh at these people and laugh at some of the actions and they're ready to see it, that's where it kind of starts to cross a little bit of the line, at least for me. And look, like I said, I'm conflicted about all of this because there are questions that I have primarily due to my own life experience having been a police officer and having been trained in various different in interview and interrogation uh, tactics for uh, sex teams working as a sex crimes investigator and dealing with this, I, I am very conflicted because I understand the need for as proactive of a uh, reach here as possible, but you always have to be careful as well that you're not trying to entrap or entice. That's the the reason that you don't see police departments do reverse purchases when dealing with drugs. You will never see a law enforcement agency, uh, at least in, in the state of Indiana, um, act as the dealer and deal to individuals and then arrest those people as the users. I know that there used to be episodes on cops where the police would set up as the dealer and they would sell to individuals and then as the people took off, they would pop that person. I have to think that the reason they would do that was to not charge that person but use that person as a confidential informant or something later on uh, because I just don't really understand how they would uh, formally charge that person because you would get into the same situation here, how that could be spun that, you know, you were enticing the person to buy the crack cocaine or, you know, go on so on and so forth. That's the reason we don't do situations like that. So that's kind of one of my concerns here, and we'll get into that in a moment. Let this to catch a predator situation kind of die in your mind. And then with the advent of live on Facebook and the situation where everyone could have their own programming, hence this podcast and others like it and, and other situations similar to this and, and outside of the realm of what we do here, people can do whatever they want. You are able to pick up a camera or a phone or a tablet and go live and, and stream it on YouTube and stream it on Facebook or make a podcast and make any kind of content that you so choose. Two years ago, I became aware of a, of a gentleman named Shane Coyle. Uh, somewhere, I believe, I don't know exactly where he's out of. He, he moves all, all over, I believe. But uh, this gentleman was doing this early on. Matter of fact, he's one of the first people online that I saw do this. And I think that a lot of people copy what he was doing. Now, his was a little bit different because he could sound like the woman, so he or, or a small boy, he could change his voice and he would be the actual decoy and then he would do the bust, him and some friends on the person. And in a lot of those situations, you would see that police did not want to work with him. I know that Shane has kind of a checkered past. I believe that he's had run-ins with the law. I know that he's been a reality TV star. And right from the outset, it's very conflicting because people love what 
what he's doing, and they're happy that he's out here exposing these people, but Shane had the feel that he was doing this, you know, obviously out of the kindness of his heart because he's a father and, and he, he cares about children, but it had such an entertainment feel from it because the channel that Shane was doing this from in a lot of cases was called the Prank Call Mafia, and he would also do prank calls using his voices. And so his his deal was he was always looking for a TV show or a radio show, or you know, it always had that entertainment vibe to it. And very early on, I became disillusioned with it and and conflicted because of that. And I felt that they were going over and above on trying to create these situations which were dangerous. I mean, I thought someone's going to get killed here. The perpetrator, the target, the bad guy, the pedophile, whatever you want to call him, uh, could bring a weapon and Shane could get shot or stabbed. Uh, you know, someone with Shane could have a weapon uh, or, or you know, the, the guy's taking off in his car and Shane or his crew uh, are attempting to follow the car to get the plates and all that and they, they try to get ran over. Matter of fact, on more than one of these... Uh, Shane was about killed or ran over, or at least that's how they portrayed it to be. I'm not really even sure what happened. Matter of fact, Shane ended up going on uh, Dr. Phil, and he said, I'm stopping doing this, and and now he's back to doing it. Shane's had run-ins with law enforcement, as I said. Uh, He has had issues with substance abuse. Uh, He has taken people's money because they wanted to support his cause, and that turned into a situation where he realized he was making some pretty quick change pretty quickly, and so he was using that money to buy drugs, and he's went through rehabs, and he's documented all this live, and it's had very much a vlog or a, you know, reality series type type of feel to everything that goes on there and it's, it's the whole thing is you're you're watching for the train wreck and that's what people people love skip forward now to september of last year and this channel pops up uh, locally pci predator catchers indianapolis and it's a gentleman uh by the name of eric and he's doing the same thing. He's not doing the voices. He's acting as a decoy online. And he's communicating with these people. The premise is they go online as an underage boy or girl. And in pretty quick order, people hit these uh, decoys up. And then they send them pictures, send them videos, have very sexually explicit conversations with them. And they then... Uh, set up a meet, and he goes and he videos the meet, and he shows the the messages, and they talk with the person. And early on, they were going and they were saying, you know, we're not the police, and 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 we just want to talk to you. And it was all rather benign. And as it was building and building and building, and there's you got to understand, there's a lot of raw emotions here and raw anger. Um, I felt like that started to increase and and there was more times where they were yelling at the person as you would, as you feel like you would because these types of behaviors that we are seeing from these targets is disgusting and, and it should be looked down upon at least, you know, through the eyes of where we are and where the law is currently. Now, I understand that this monologue has ran a little long and I apologize to Amber about that. I apologize to all of you about that, but I had to set this up so we would have an understanding of what we were looking at 
at and what we were talking about. I'm going to play another quick clip from PCI, Predator Catchers Indianapolis, and then we're going to have Amber jump in here, and we're going to have a discussion about our thoughts and feelings here, and we ask you to join the conversation. Sorry. Dude. Who's trolling for 18? Huh? Other than talking to my wife, what do I do now? Nothing. Go get help. Go fucking get help, man. Go get, see a therapist. Dude, channel that. So you you don't just like kids, right? You like you like women your own age too, right? So why, why don't you just channel that energy and only go after women your age or of age? Hell, if you want younger, if you want someone younger, if you want someone younger, should go for eighteen year old at least. Like only are you cheating on your wife? You're cheating with a child, Michael. A fucking child. Yeah, bro. Bro, if I, if, that, if that was my fucking kid, I'll knock the fucking head off your neck and beat the shit out of you. I'll beat. I'll take that. I'll be so angry. I'll fucking pick up that big ass rock and throw it on your damn head. If that was my kid, I would beat the living fucking shit out of you. If it was my kid, bro. And you're lucky it's not a real kid. Cause what if it was a little kid and the dad picked up the phone and he met your ass here? What do you think would be happening right now, Michael? What do you think would be happening right now? I don't deserve anything in my life, and I know that. I just don't want to hurt my wife. So what were you going to do? What were you going to do with her? I actually wanted to go to that bookstore. And then I wanted to go to Barnes & Noble. It's like 10. Because mm. I love going to bookstores. And with I a child. Yeah, I know. With I a know, child. I know, I know. You're 29, Michael. I know. You're a grown-ass man. You're a nurse. You took an oath to protect children. And you're out here trying to prey on children. I'm a fucking piece of shit. If I catch you out on the fucking street, I'm going to beat the fucking brakes off. Oh. Piece of shit. Damn. Are you watch? Yeah, see people are pissed. This is not right, dude. I'm so sorry. You're sorry. Don't be sorry. Stop doing this shit. Get Let me catch you out here. Michael. Look at me. There's no tears in your eyes, honey. There's none. You're not crying. <laughs> You're not crying? I don't see any tears. I wasn't the one you were talking to. <laughs> okay, so there we're hearing a little bit more from that audio, and we're actually hearing some of the people in the group kind of laughing while talking to them. And look, the comments in these videos are all very supportive of this group. And, and I understand people are happy that they are exposing these people. And I completely understand that. And I feel a massive level of support for these people because of this. But I am conflicted in a lot of other ways. And look, a minute ago I was talking about to catch a predator. This has been going on since the dawn of the internet, and before that, it went on in other situations where these predators would hang out in areas where kids would hang out, the park or the you know pool halls or arcade halls. And so this is something that has been going on as long as this has been an issue, and it's been an issue since the dawn of time. So they will always find a new way to do this, and we have to be looking to ways in which we can help 
continue to keep children safe. I mean, who here remembers coming home from school and logging onto the internet back when it was AOL and getting in a chat room and seeing everyone typing ALS, which stood for age, sex, location, which is what people were asking everyone getting on so they would know who they were dealing with and, you know, typing that yourself. Everybody of a certain age remembers that. And just briefly, look, it doesn't have to be young children. I would say any woman who has ever changed their profile picture online gets that barrage of men who instantly are typing under that picture, whether they're good friends or or kind of those creepers that you don't know how you're friends with them on Facebook, and they're saying, oh, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, and they assume that that means you've went through a, a status change in your relationship, and they're like, hey, are you free? You want to talk? And look, the internet is full of creepers. For instance, when I got divorced, I changed my relationship status years ago. I mean, I've been divorced for 10 years. From your first husband, you're happily married now. Yes. Um, well, no, I guess I've been divorced like eight years. Um, but uh, as soon as I changed my relationship status, and my profile was not public, this was just, you know, creepy dudes that I apparently was friends with. Oh. Like, oh, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so what are your thoughts on these PCI, PCM, PCA groups. What are you thinking about this? You know, with these decoys who get people who hit them up because of their age, apparently online, and they start the conversation, start texting, start sexting, and the decoy tries to steer it away from sex. At least that's what we're being told. That's what a lot of the screenshots oh, show. no, they do not. Well, that's... Okay, so that that's the... That's part of the controversy here. I know that just recently they were they were like told by Facebook that they can't post the screenshots of the conversations anymore because they were too graphic. Whoa, um, really? Yeah. And I know I've noticed that they've been going live like a couple times and scrolling through the conversations. Uh, yeah. I don't really understand how that's any different, but I don't understand Mark Zuckerberg, so there's right. that. Um, but I've not, even when they were still able to post the screenshots as, you know, actual images, I never once saw one of their decoys trying to steer it away. They might have been trying to, you know, finalize plans. Like, are we going to meet? Are sure. you sure you want to meet? I'm so nervous. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. But I, if anything, I felt like the decoys are the ones pushing it to a sexual nature because they're trying to get that, you know, hook, line, and sinker Confirmation so that they have that response so there's content. Yes, so they can, you know... I mean, none of this is going anywhere with the law. Sure. At least not the majority of them, but I feel like that's what they're really going for is trying to get them... Like, trying to get the adult to say the whatever the you know 
phrase is. There are multiple different phrases that could be used. Sure, sure. That's an important thing to look at because if you look back at To Catch a Predator and the Chris Hansen show that I was talking about, uh, they were a big production, okay? So they had staff attorneys, they had attorneys for NBC that were going over the laws of each and every state that they were operating in. They worked with law enforcement even when law enforcement personnel weren't in each episode. They still dealt with the police from the local areas to know what they could and couldn't do. They dealt with psychologists. They had people who were retired police investigators, and they dealt with the trained group Perverted Justice, which knew how to engage in a way where they weren't breaking any laws, they weren't entrapping anybody, and it was a big production. These do-it-yourself-at-home vigilante groups, and I don't mean any shade when I say that, they don't have any of this training or background or experience. They're just people at home trying to proactively help our communities. I'm not saying what they're doing is wrong, but they have to be very cognizant of the fact that they don't really have much training or experience there. And again, not throwing shade, but I feel like that's what causes me to have some concern about this, because as I'm watching this, I get the sense that, oh God, something bad's going to happen. And I feel like there's a lot of people that watch this that are supportive, because these people's star power is rising. And that's another concern we'll get into in a moment, whether or not this is being done for entertainment purposes, or people are getting that from it, and if that should be uh, something that people get from this, or if this is a very serious topic that should not be part of an entertainment world. But the fact that I watch this and think, oh man, if these people just said one wrong thing, they could be possibly impersonating a police officer, or someone's going to beat somebody up, or someone's going to have a gun or a knife, or they're going to be walking after or running after these people as these people are going back to their car, and someone's going to get ran over, and that is so concerning because it has that kind of train wreck type feeling that you just can't turn your head away from. You know how it's such a disaster and it's so bad and it's so disgusting, but people want to watch because that's how Americans are. So here's why I think people automatically get that that feeling. Um, so if you take, you know, the To Catch a Predator show, which I understand like that was not perfect. I don't. I don't think any operation like this is perfect. It sure, even with the police, the honestly. Scope of law enforcement. Sure. But Chris Hansen was one a professional. Yeah. This is what he did full time. This was his job. Um, he had years and years and years of experience, and he was calm. Right. He was. He was almost like creepily welcoming yeah to these predators yeah and i think the reason that we as viewers for this local stuff automatically think cringe who's gonna get beat up is because it's all just it starts yelling, at 11 yelling 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 like there's yeah. so much just grr you yeah. know <laughs> like yeah just right off the bat and i mean believe me if anybody gets the anger behind it it is me. Sure. Um, but I, it's kind of like that whole, you catch more flies with honey. Sure. Like, I'm not saying that we need to be sweet to these people, but even with criminals, I mean, look at, look at investigators. They don't go into these rooms with murderers and rapists yep. and 
and just start yelling at them and berating them and telling them what an awful, you know, pile of heaping shit they are because that doesn't get you anywhere. Yep. And so that's, and, and most of these videos that I've watched and I have not watched very many of them just because of the cringe factor, (laughs) but most of them that I've watched, these people do end up leaving in their cars. And so I think that's why the first time I saw it and I saw somebody get in their car and speed away. And then these people ran after the car. Yeah. You're just like, ah, it's not going to go well. So I, I think it's important to know a couple things. First and foremost, uh, you're, I mean, you're not going to find any other two people. That's probably more pro law enforcement than you and I, as we said before, you're married to a police officer. I'm a former police officer. You're not going to find anyone that's that's more supportive of law enforcement. So I'm certainly not dogging the police out when I say this. But it, it needs to be known. Police are horribly underfunded. It doesn't matter what department you're talking about. If you're talking about L.A. Police Department, or you're talking about New York City Police Department, or you're talking about Selma, uh, Indiana, which is a part-time department made up of mostly sheriff's deputies, All departments are very underfunded. Most of them are very understaffed. They don't have detectives working around the clock on things like this. They may do stings. They may have a cyber unit or they may have a sex crimes unit work together and do this for a period of time. But they don't have people out there actively just engaging in this all the time. And then in matters like this, people start to say, well, the police are reactive. And that gets under people's skin, I think, because they feel like that's not good enough. And most police will tell you the same thing. 90% of policing is reactive. Absolutely. Yeah, right, right. That's what it is. Ask any law enforcement officer that's been around for longer than five seconds. That's just the job. Well, sure, because you get a slippery slope when you start trying to stop people from doing crimes before the crime is committed. So, you know, that's the nature of the beast. What that means is for people who are parents out there and for people who don't like what's going on with with men and and women, for, for that fact, trying to get with underage children... You think, oh, this is not good enough. Something has to be done. And then you throw into that the aspect of instant internet, YouTube, Facebook famous. And it's that type of doing it for the clicks that I start to have some issues with. And I'm not, again, saying that that's what these people in the predator catchers groups are doing. I'm just saying I could see that being a problem. Because the bottom line is, look, I'm supportive of anybody who wants to help protect children and anybody who wants to try to expose people who hurt children. I am all for that. But it has to be done in a way that you remove that cringe factor from it. And again, I'm not saying that these people do that exactly. I'm just stating that could be the case for various different people. Look, there is definitely support for this. I'm not questioning that at all. I support this in in some aspects. But there are also those people that question the motives behind why this is happening. Look, the bottom line is everyone supports trying to protect children, or everyone should support that. I definitely do. But the 
bottom line, the end game, and the reasoning behind all of this has to be known. And I, that's just one of those things that is going to come up. And it doesn't mean you're questioning any of this. It just means this is something that is very sensitive. It's something that needs to be talked about. But the discussion has to happen. I mean, look, I'm not knocking these people. The, the biggest thing that I have an issue with is the liability, the safety. I'm concerned for the people who are doing this. As a former law enforcement officer, I know the inherent dangers of approaching somebody who's committing a criminal act or, or you suspect of committing a criminal act. And I understand everything that can go wrong there on all sides of this. And that is my biggest sticking point with this. That's the thing that causes me to have the most hesitation or reservation about this. I mean, what happens if the target has an aversion to going to jail and doesn't want to be caught? What happens if they have a weapon on them? What happens if they have a gun or a knife or a gun or a knife in the car and these people let them get back to their car? They go back to the car because they're free to go and they grab a gun or a knife. For law enforcement officers, when someone's in their car, that's a dangerous situation because you don't know what they have in there. Well, for these people who aren't cops, when they let these people get back to their cars... You know, uh, who knows what's in there. Then they're running after them. The, the car either goes forward or backwards. And if you're standing behind it trying to get the license plate, you might get ran over. When you're chasing after these people, it also gives it the perception that maybe they don't think that they're free to go. So there's all sorts of liability here. Another concern is where the actual meetup is happening. Is there other people put in danger because of this? Other innocent bystanders? Where is the meeting happening? Is it happening in a public place? Is it happening in a private place? Is it happening at a business, outside of a business, inside of a business, at a park? I really feel for these business owners. I understand the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm sorry. <laughs> the premise behind yeah. meeting in a public place, like obviously we're not stupid. Um, but, and I get that, you know, it's been winter in Indiana and nobody wants to stand outside, but you're taking your drama and I'm sorry, but at this point it is your drama because you are creating it and you're taking it into private places of business. And I don't care how many, you know, disclaimers you put on the video. Please don't shame the business owners. Please don't shame where they work. The damage is done, people. Right. Like you've already gone and created this unnecessary event inside a private business. And that just that really rubs me the wrong way. And I've seen a couple people like the Muncie Mall has come into the local news lately because apparently the owner of the Muncie Mall is allegedly going to be filing bankruptcy soon, blah, 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 blah. So I've been seeing, you know, news articles about the Muncie Mall and, you know, various people will say, well, this is why the Muncie Mall died. This is why the Muncie Mall died. And I've seen quite a few people comment and say, oh, no, the Muncie Mall died because they stopped allowing predator catchers Muncie to be in there. Oh, God. And I'm like, well... Um, sorry to break it to you, but the Muncie Mall was dead long before Predator Catcher's Muncie came around. And two, like, if I were that mall manager, oh, I yeah. don't know who it is anymore. I used to know who it was. Um, but if I were that mall manager, there is not a chance in hell I would be allowing that. Oh, yeah. Not at all. You want to do it, you know, in a parking lot? Yeah. You know, go right ahead. But you bring that into a mall that is already massively struggling and you do you really think that's going to help it yeah that's not a good image or something bad happens that's that's not nobody wants to be cleaning blood out of a 
mall where nobody wants to come to begin with. Well, it's not even the cleaning blood. Like I get that you're 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 you know, you're recording these people and you're creating these sting operations for the betterment of the community. But at the end of the day, you need to ask yourself is recording all of these meetups in you know <laughs> these businesses local places yeah. that are heavily shopped by the community or you know heavily visited is that helping the community like i don't know i well, just like you right. said i'm there's so many things i'm conflicted about on this like well so okay I don't want anyone to, to misunderstand. We are clearly not saying that we're pro-pedophile and go child molesters. We're certainly not saying that. We just have to be able to have this discussion. And, and the number one thing that I'm concerned about, like I said, is the liability, is that someone is going to get hurt. I'm concerned about how this is being handled. I'm concerned with the reasonings behind it, what they're hoping to achieve with this. And then the other aspect of it is I'm not calling these people vigilantes like they are hurting these people because they're not. They're recording these conversations, they're talking, they might yell or cuss at them, but then they leave and nothing bad happens. But who's to say that something violent doesn't occur? And let's be real, in our legal system, you can't take the law into your own hands. So if these people have a target and they meet up with them and they video them and they out them and they expose them, that's all great. They then leave. What's to stop somebody from then finding these people and causing them harm because they feel like this is the right thing to do. And in our legal system, that would be very bad because those people would then be charged. They wouldn't be heroes, even though there may be some kind of level of support for them behind the scenes. Legally, they would be in trouble, and I don't want that to happen. And let's face it, if you go into any of the comments of any of these videos, there is nothing but raw emotion and raw anger there. Matter of fact, in the clips that we played at the beginning of the show, while they were talking to the individual, there was someone that drove up to the scene and was apparently watching them work and knew where they were and drove up to the scene and started yelling at the target. You can clearly hear that. But just in the comments, you hear the vitriol that people have, and it's, it's a real anger, and I understand it, because this is a very touchy subject. But when you have people who are saying, beat his ass, beat his ass, tell us where he lives so we can come beat his ass. You don't, you know, you shouldn't stand there and talk to him. You should be punching him. They don't deserve to live. They deserve nothing. That kind of feeds others, and then other people start doing it, and it really amps up the, the situation. As you were talking a bit ago, when police do this, or when the people were doing this with Chris Hansen, they were trying to bring everything down. They were trying to talk with these people and at least make these people feel like they empathized with them. Being a detective, a lot of times you have to do that. That is a very hard part of the job, sitting across the table from a murderer, sitting across the table from a child molester, and talking to this person like you're their friend. And the reason you have to do that is that's what it takes to be able to communicate with these people so that these people will confess their crimes. And I look at this very much the same way. If they're talking to these people and wanting to have a very serious conversation, why are you doing this? then 
the way they approach this, I feel, has to change a little bit because I start to feel like maybe they are playing into the raw emotions that they are getting from the commenters on their live videos because people are commenting and they are angry and I think it feels like one feeds off the other. Look, when I do a live video and I have people that are commenting to me and they are engaged and they are on it and they are commenting back and forth, it builds me up and it feeds me a level of energy and I love that. I imagine if those comments and the commentary were angry and hate-filled, that would probably have that kind of effect on me as well. Here's the deal. If these people are doing this and they are able to disregard the comments and go about their their thing and do their thing and let people comment what they comment, then okay, I get it. But if they start to believe the comments and feed into that hype, and if they start allowing that to dictate their interactions with these people, and it starts to become an echo chamber, then I start to kind of have a question about that. Because at that point, it feels like this is more an entertainment thing than a service that they are providing to the public to better the community because if you are playing it up for your quote unquote fans I hate when people say fans or followers I call people listeners I don't know what they want to call the people that watch their pages but if they are playing it up to those people then it becomes a level of entertainment and that's where I start to really question what's happening here because if we're looking at this as entertainment I really really question Question, uh, the motives behind various aspects of looking at this. I start to think that that's uh, exploitative, kind of, and, and I, that's what causes me to have issue. You know, if we're able to sit down and talk with the folks from the Predator Catchers, Indianapolis Muncie or Anderson, I would like to ask a couple of questions about how they interact with law enforcement. Do they want to? Do they want to work with local or state police or sheriff's deputies in some way? I want to know, have they reached out to these law enforcement agencies? Have they not? If so, why or why not? How did that meeting go? If there was a meeting, what are you hearing back from these various law enforcement officials? Do they support what's going on here? Do they not support what's going on here? Have you sat down and talked to everybody? Have you not sat down and talked to anybody? Do you just talk to law enforcement as the need arises if something happens and the police are called or if you have something really egregious and you call the police? You know, what is the overall umbrella policy here with these groups and law enforcement? And if you haven't sat down to talk to anybody or haven't taken that preemptive uh step to to talk with folks maybe at the state police level or local or whatever why haven't you done that then then i want to know also why did this begin what caused you to one day pick up the camera and create this facebook group was it a personal story within your family or yourself or did you just happen to watch someone else do this someplace else and you realized that you could do this did you do it to get Facebook or YouTube subscriptions or likes? Was it about that? You know, why did this come about? How did this come about? Or if this is really just a, a thing to help the community and you're passionate about this, then the conversation of tactics 
has to come up. Why do you do certain things during your meetups? Why do you start uh, as angry and as loud as you do? Why not maybe think about starting a little bit calmer and talking to these people and trying to figure out why this is happening rather than showing up and being at volume 11 from the first word because that doesn't allow you any place to go from there. And as we've talked about with police investigations, sometimes you catch more bees with honey. And in these circumstances, you would get more if you approach them a little bit more understanding. And I understand that that might not be the goal. But look, let's face it. No amount of yelling or cussing or carrying on is going to stop these people from doing what they do. Because at the end of the day, since you're not the police, you're not arresting these people. They're not being charged. They're not going to be found guilty or plead guilty. They're not going to be thrown in prison, which means at the end of the day, all you're doing is exposing these people, which yes, is beneficial for the public to know who they are, but also it still allows them the opportunity to go out and offend, which I guarantee you they do. So if we're not stopping them from offending and there's nothing that we can do to stop them from offending because you don't have that power to do so, that means at that point, all you're doing is having a conversation with them. And if you're going to have that conversation, we might as well get a little bit of information out of this. And you're not going to get that kind of information yelling and being off the chain right from the start. You might have to back it down a little bit. And again, I'm not throwing any shade. I'm just coming at this from my past experience as a law enforcement officer. Well, and here, here's one of my other things, like one of my like number one questions that I want answered um, other than, you know, what's the end goal? What is being done with the money that's being donated? Because in my personal opinion, they, if if they have the following to be getting any substantial amount of money, that should not be put towards merch or Facebook yeah. ads yeah. or anything yeah. like that. It should be put towards a freaking hotel room, something yeah. that makes these meetings more legit and less of a threat to themselves and the general public. Or training. But where do you, okay. Where these people are obviously not law enforcement. Um, I I doubt if they're like training to be law enforcement. So where do you get this training? Like, where where's just a normal Joe Schmo citizen gonna find investigative, you know, predatory training? Like how you know? Well, how you find that? so let's 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 deconstruct this. Okay. You and I, Amber, we want to stop the podcast and we want to start A&K Predator Catchers. And you and I are going to do this. I wouldn't just start going out and filming this tomorrow. To me, knowing what I know, the very first thing I would do is I would try to get a meeting with the elected sheriffs of all the counties I would be working in. I would try to meet with all of the police chiefs within all of the cities that I would be conducting this in. Maybe the state police from the post that covers the areas that we would be working in. I would try to meet with the prosecutors from the various counties we would be working in. And my first question to all of these people would be, how can we work doing what we want to do in such a way that you 
are going to approve of and give us your blessing. Here is what we want to do. Here is how I plan about going about it. Now, do you approve? Do you not approve? Is there things that we could do that would get you to approve? You know, what are our parameters as far as you are concerned? Because honestly, unless I'm breaking the law, we both know you can't stop me from doing this unless I do something to break the law. But my goal is to work with you. I would like to turn over our evidence, you be able to write it up, your detectives get involved, and you to be able to submit it to the prosecutor's office. I would tell the prosecutors, I obviously want you guys to be able to file charges off anything that the police bring to you based off of our investigations. So how can we work together? And those police chiefs, the sheriffs, and the prosecutors are all going to have various opinions. Maybe they all say, yes, we support you, you have to do this, this, and this. Or maybe they all say, no, we really don't support this and we don't want you to do this. Then I would have to determine if I was still going to do it or not, or how I was going to do it. Let's say, no matter what they said, I was going to move forward. The very next thing that I would do would be to hire an attorney, or at least go talk to one that I trusted, and I would tell the attorney, the following information. Firstly, I have past experience as a law enforcement officer. I was a police officer. I've been a patrolman. I've been an investigator. I've worked in the Delaware County Prosecutor's Office, and I have a great understanding of the laws of the state of Indiana. I know absolutely how I would go about being a decoy so that there would never be any question of any kind of entrapment or confusion on age. Then from there, I know what I would have to not say so that I didn't make it seem like I was a police officer, which is very important. People doing this do not want to get caught up in impersonating a police officer, and these groups are really good about telling their targets that they are not cops, so I have to give them a lot of credit there. Beyond that, you know, the meetup is important. You've got to make sure that they know that they are free to go and you're not holding them against their will. You're not threatening them or, or being violent in any way so that they feel like they have to stay because in that situation, you could be charged with criminal confinement. And again, I would say the people do a pretty good job of making the targets understand that as well. But as far as our business, quote-unquote business, in this hypothetical world of being predator catchers, I would then say to the attorney, past everything I just said there, what do you see as being our biggest roadblocks? What do you see as being our biggest liabilities? And let's create something to go forward so that this can be an actuality. I mean, in my opinion, this is what I would do if I was starting any business. I mean, for the podcast, I talked to an attorney and went over the various liabilities involved with this. But if I was starting any business, this is what I would do. This is what anyone would do. You know what I'm talking about. When you're starting a business, you talk to the people who are experts in that field. You talk to people who you look at as mentors. You talk to people who have expertise and and have various different expertises as well. You might talk to a business attorney or a, a, a tax accountant and, and various other individuals who can give you advice and help make this a, a solid business if that's what you're wanting to do. You don't just hang up a shingle and say, okay, I've made it. You know, like if I was doing this, if we were doing this, I wouldn't just start logging on to the internet tomorrow and be filming by tomorrow evening. There is a lot of planning that would go into something like this for me. I would try to brainstorm and go through all the scenarios, much like I did when I was a police officer. When you're doing 
doing your training and you're trying to get muscle memory with your weapon and what you do when you run through various scenarios with traffic stops and domestic violence situations. All of that training is so that you are better prepared in the field. Very much like policing, what these individuals are doing, it's never the same. There are always different situations that arise. Every call that you have as a police officer, every traffic stop that you make, nothing is ever the same. That being said, you can still run through various scenarios which are similar, but you always have to have your head on a swivel and you always have to expect the unexpected. And that's the exact same thing that would happen in something like this. The argument that you'll get with that, which is the argument I think a lot of people have for a lot of things, is, well, I shouldn't have to have all this money to do all these things just to hunt down the bad guys. <laughs> right. Which, I mean, okay, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't have to, but we live in a world where you have to have money to do basically anything. And is it fair and do people love it? No, but if you're going to, there's, there's so many, I mean, the society that we live in is such a Sue happy society. Yeah. I'd, I'd be incredibly reluctant to do anything involving any accusatory action sure. on video without an attorney. Sure. Not to mention where you're calling somebody a pedophile and, and, and chomo and, you know, uh, other, other worse names than that, that, that they are called. Absolutely. And then the other side of that, we've not even talked about this yet, but you've got to be very careful doing things like this, especially when you're the police. But I would say even for private citizens, because of the Sue happy culture that we are in, you have to be very careful of entrapping these people. No matter what you're doing, it, you have to be very upfront with the fact that you're saying, hey, I'm 14, I'm out here minding my own business, I didn't entice you, I didn't come on to you, because if you do anything in any way where they're able to say, wait a minute, I was minding my own business and she came on to me or he came on to me or he said this or that, then they might be able to say that you entrapped them, whether it's the police or whether it's a vigilante group, and then then there's a whole different ball game. There. That's very similar to why the police, at least here in the state of Indiana, don't really do reverse purchases where they have the drugs and they sell. Used to, you would watch on cops where they would have the police officers would have illegal substances or lookalike substances, and they would have people come up and purchase dr drugs off the police officers, and then the people would drive off on their bike or in their car, and the police would pull them over and arrest them. What I would assume happened there is they didn't arrest those people to then book them because you're just arresting a user, which is really stupid because they have such a minor amount of drugs on them. What I would say they then did was flip those people so that those people were confidential informants. But the problem that we run into here in my mind, and I have heard this from various prosecutors, is the reason we don't do that in the state of Indiana is because they could easily call entrapment. And so whether you're the police or you're a vigilante group, I understand the uh, thresholds are different for police and private citizens. You still wouldn't want to feel like you entrapped and enticed somebody who would not have ordinarily had a conversation like this, and then you exposed this person and made people feel like they were something that they weren't. That would be uh, a very serious concern. 
So you have to be very careful with that, and you have to make sure that your decoys know exactly what to do, they know exactly what to say, and moreover, what not to say, and so that basically it's like they're there minding their own business, and this person shoved it on them. And for example, now I've not seen this from any of the predator catcher groups from Indianapolis Muncie or Anderson, but I have seen this from other organizations. I've seen it from an organization from Indiana, and I have seen it from organizations outside of Indiana where the decoys seem to kind of be very loose with what the age is. There is screenshots where they were originally talking to the people and they originally said they were 18 and then in the conversation they dropped it and said, no, no, we said that just because you have to be 18 to be in the group. We're really 14, which I'm sure that there are children that do that. But when you're doing this, I feel like the very second that you let this person feel like you might possibly possibly be of age, then you tell them differently and you go after them, I could see there being a case there for them to say, wait a minute, they led me to believe that they were 18, and no matter how right or wrong it is, a, a bad guy who doesn't want to be in trouble for what they have done will do and say anything. And of course, the other thing is, I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of the people that these predator catchers interact with a lot of the targets seem to be of lower iq what? If, have you noticed that no way <laughs> sorry <laughs> no no you're fine you're fine and so outside of that now they did get a doctor the other day i was just getting ready to say that now they did get a doctor which so which is is mind-boggling and even he seemed at some point off a little bit i don't really understand but i guess maybe that's because of you know, what kind of situation he was in. But it's just very important to know, you've got to be consistent with your age. You should never come above the legal limit, and there would be no reason to ever do that because you're letting these people think uh, something that you're not trying to let them think. And I would feel like the only reason to do that would be because you might start talking to somebody who's a little gun-shy at first. Like, they are someone who would try to talk to and connect with somebody underage, but during that first meeting, they might be a little gun-shy. And so I feel like sometimes there would be people who might try and fib about the age, so it's really con convoluted. So it's a 30-some-year-old trying to pretend like they're a 14-year-old, trying to pretend like they're 17 just to hook the guy to then say, no, no, really, I'm 14. They might do that, or I could see a world in which that would be done to try and hurry getting someone on the line because at some point this does become where people want content. And I've seen that from groups where the, the person that did the voices, if he wasn't busting people and exposing people, his fans or his followers or his watchers or whatever they're called would get on his page and be like, we're not seeing content, we're not seeing content. And then, of course, it became a situation where he was asking for money because of all of this, and then people really got crazy about it. You should just consistently stay at the same age. Right, right. Like, because you're, you're just losing credibility and you're getting... Uh, one, it's something that you have to keep track of. Like, these are all obviously, you know, made up stories and made up scenarios. Like, just if you're 14, you're 14. Just stay 14. Right. You know? Well, right. So then whatever age you say that you are, 
you know, you have to be 14. And I understand that at 14 years old, there are kids that can talk like adults. They can say things. And online, you can be anybody at any time. That's the kind of the problem with online. But kids are different today than they used to be. They hear different things. They say different things. They see different things. And you could get 14-year-olds that could cuss and, and carry on and w- with the best of us. But if you're being a decoy, you know, you've got to kind of live within that world. You've got to be really careful about trying to egg these guys on. If if a guy or, or a girl or whoever approaches one of the decoys and is being sexual, it also doesn't look good if the... 14-year-old is being crazily suggestive. Now, I understand that that's part of this and there has to be a little bit of conversation back and forth because if the person just never talked sexually at all, then the the guy would just bounce out of there and he would find somebody that would. But that's why it's very important for the decoys to have training in what they should be doing psychologically, legally, and so forth. But then there are questions about the meetup. Okay, so once you meet the person and you've outed this person on social media, it doesn't take people long to find out everything about this person. You've given their full name. They can find them on all social media accounts. And for people who are watching this, it's not hard to find out where these people are at. And there's some of these people that they've met in very close proximity to where they actually live. And so it would be easy for others who are watching this to then find these people and commit harm upon these people who they feel are uh, pedophiles. And you have to ask yourself what kind of liability there is there. Well, I think, I think part of the problem isn't necessarily stemming from, you know, people knowing the person's name because that, I mean, yeah, that's happened where, you know, some commenters have been like, oh my gosh, I grew up with that person, or we went to school together. I think it stems from sharing a picture of their Facebook profile. Yep. Because you can search damn near anything once you have a person's Facebook profile. Sure. Now, would I have looked up, you know, George, Bob, you know, had they not shared his Facebook profile? No. I would have never known who he was. Yeah, but I did because I was like, "Oh, who is this guy?" And I was able to find out that he worked somewhere that I frequent, or near my child's school, or with one of my friends. Like, you're able to find these things out mm-hmm. that could potentially drive you to do something stupid. Yeah, that you wouldn't have otherwise done. And that's where it gets, that's where it gets, it just gets hairy. And one thing that I think everybody tends to forget all the time, no matter what crime we're talking about. I mean, this is one that I think the majority of people agree is probably at the top of, you know, the bad crimes list. Yeah. But I think one thing that people tend to forget is it is much quicker and much easier to commit a crime than it is to convict a person of it. Sure. And that sucks and it's unfortunate and everyone hates it. But these type of people 
especially over, you know, murderers or petty thieves or, you know, whatever else, these types of people are the most likely to not ever stop this behavior. Right. And that's where I, I really wonder like, what is the end game? Because I mean, was it, I think you just sent me the video from like late February where they caught the same guy twice in two weeks. Yeah. Like, okay, right there. That proves that this, your system is not working. Right. And I'm not blaming you. Right. No, it's, it's blaming the suspect. It's it's the type of person that you're dealing with. Like these people are not going to stop. They, you know, okay. You tell their mom, you tell their wife. Okay, great. They're divorced. Now it's even easier for them to go and do this. Sure. You're, I just, and it's, I don't know. It's, it sucks all the way around. It sucks. And I don't know the right answer. Well, there are a lot of aspects of this where who knows what the right answer is. And I want to be very clear. I've said it back a while back and I'll probably say it again. I don't want anybody from their organization to think that we're giving them shade. We're just asking tough questions here and I'm saying as much as I can, I support what they're doing. I just want them to be safe. I want them to be able to do this the best way that they can and that I want them to be able to do this in the way that the most amount of good comes from it. I mean doing this and nothing good coming of it. Well, they're there's no real reason to do it then. But if something good can come from this, then I'm all for it. And part of that is looking at presentation. And so I say this very lightly because I'm not throwing shade, but there's an example in one of their lives here recently where they found out that the gentleman that they were talking to is someone that they had busted a couple weeks before, so they had busted him twice. And when they get there and they all meet up with him, he starts kind of laughing a little bit, and they all start laughing a little bit, which gives this a different kind of feel than what it really was. Now, they eventually then start laying into him and start yelling at him, but it seems strange to know what the topic is and to hear them all laughing with him who's laughing and they're accusing this guy of being a a child predator so that that's different and matter of fact in the audio clip that we played at the beginning of this show you can hear some people from their team laughing at various points in their talk with him and i think that sends a little bit of the wrong message and again i'm not throwing shade i'm just stating facts yeah that was that was really awkward because had I had I been watching that video without sound, mm-hmm. I would have thought he was part of the team. Right, you right for for quite some time. I totally thought he would have just been there with them to try and bust somebody, and you know, he was not the the bad guy. Yeah, see, and that's the other thing is this has to be a pretty solemn situation. You know, when you're watching cops and the cops arrest the bad guy or you're watching the news and the the good guys win, it's okay to feel pride and to cheer and to support the cops. All right, good, good job. But in this situation, you know, the whole thing is, is bad. It's bad that there are people who want to hurt children. It's bad that there are children that get hurt. It's bad that 
all of this is happening because let's look at all of the ripples that this event creates. These people who are the targets, let's say they are the baddest of the bad. They do this and, and this happens all the time. They have family members who aren't bad. They have friends who aren't bad. They work places where there are good people that work with them. And all of these people are affected by this and by the ridicule and by the possible harassment by the public opinion and the mob that the internet can be. This has very detrimental possibilities for family, friends, businesses, and so on and so forth because of a connection with one of the targets that these people might have. And that's why this cannot be looked at as entertainment. If we're looking to this like, we want to see when the next bust is going to be and we can't wait, you know, that is looking at this the wrong way. I love hearing that people like waiting around until the podcast drops. They know that they generally are going to drop on Tuesday, and they wait around. They have it to where they are subscribed, and it downloads the second that it drops, and they can listen to it right then. Then I have people who say, I let the podcast build up for an entire month, and I binge them on a Sunday. I love hearing how people like to listen, because I do this, and it's a very serious podcast, and I do it to try to educate, and we, we do all of what we do here, but we like to try to have fun, too, and there is a certain amount of entertainment in this. With what these folks are doing, uh, there's no entertainment value there. It's a service. It's a public service. It is a solemn service, and if they feel like it must be done, then they feel like it must be done, but there are a lot of people that I think start to see it as entertainment, and I don't think that that is good. It is okay to be supportive if you believe what these people are doing is right in exposing these people, but to see this as entertainment is not a good thing. You know, my dad used to say, no matter what the circumstance is, if you're in court, you're not having a good day. And that is really true, and I think it, it branches out to this. You know, a lot of people think if you're talking to the police, you're not having a good day. And, that, and that's not always true, but, but in a case like this, the fact that these people have to do this, it means something very seriously is going wrong. I've been on a jury, like a, a successful, I was picked as a juror for uh -huh. a trial. Even then, I would say I was not having what you would call a good day. Right. Like, was it cool to be involved in the process? Sure. Absolutely. Am I glad that it's an experience that I got before I married Chris? Sure. Yep, because I'll yep. probably never, You'll never get do, to it, do again. it again. Yep. <laughs> but it still was not fun. It was not a good day. You're absolutely right. There should be a level of respect and solemnness and reverence held for things like that. And so when people see... Folks doing this, and I don't necessarily mean the predator catchers, I could mean the predator catchers, I just mean anyone doing this type of thing, when the viewers see them laughing and kind of cutting up either before, during, or after, it gives it a little bit different feel, and they have to be cognizant of that. I'm not saying don't take pride in knowing that you're doing a good job, and don't have fun with your 
quote unquote coworkers. I look, I've sat in a cop car before, getting ready to pull over a car and arrest somebody that I knew had a a warrant for very violent crimes, or I have kicked open a door in a search warrant, or I have arrested this person for this crazy crime, or or this or that, and I've I've had a lot of fun doing that. I had an amazing time as a police officer. I will still say, besides sitting behind the microphone, it is the number one best job in the entire world. If you want an an amazing career, consider being a police officer, okay? And with my fellow officers, I would laugh and cut up and have a good time even when we would be dealing with really bad things from time to time, police officers have to start to get a little bit of a different sense of humor so they can process things. It's a, it's a defense mechanism, and you'll get dark humor or gallows humor, as they call it. I have a very dark sense of humor, but what you're doing behind closed doors with your comrades, your fellow officers, your your brothers and your sisters is one thing, but how you present yourself in the public or to the public is another thing. And and so what these people do off camera is different than what they do on camera, and they have to be aware of that. And at the end of the day, it's easy to say, well, if this is what gets you going, if 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 this is exciting for you. Join the police department and and go do it and make a difference and and, and or hell, you know, I mean, better yet, go join victim advocates. Right. Like Muncie had a victim advocates position posted for, oh my gosh, like damn near a year. Yeah. Right. And couldn't get it filled. Right. Because it's and, a little bit less um, prestigious, but it's still very very important. Yes, absolutely. I don't know. I just have to keep coming back to the whole liability thing. I just don't want one of these people that's out here trying to do the right thing to end up getting hurt. I don't want any of these people to get hurt. That's that's the first thing. I don't want them to get in trouble. I don't want them to get sued. I just don't want something like that to happen. You you probably have more experience with this than I do. This is coming back to the liability as well. Uh-huh. In any of the videos that you've watched... And I'm sorry, my voice is awful. These spring allergies are killing me. Oh, you're fine. Hell, the listeners are used to me snotting and snorting and carrying on due to my sinuses. You're good. In any of these videos that you've watched, would any of the you know bad guys, so to speak, have any recourse as far as like defamation of character or anything along those lines? Like, is the PCM group as a whole, are they, you know, legally covered against anything like that? Uh, well, as far as whether they're, they're, they are covered, I, I don't know. That would come back to, again, you know, if I was starting this, I'd go see an attorney. Uh, I don't know if they've done that or not done that. And I, I don't I don't really know. But as far as any of the videos that I have watched from the Predator catchers, whether we're talking Indianapolis, Anderson, or Muncie, I have not seen any of the targets or the suspects that would have any kind of claim. However, you know the world we live in. Anybody can sue for anything at any time. But I would say they probably wouldn't do that because of the situation that they're in. But no, as far as anything I've watched... 
I don't see any of the suspects or the targets having any kind of a claim. However, as I've stated many, many times, I am not an attorney. I do not play one on the podcast. I do not play one on any TV show, nor do I play one at any Holiday Inn Express that I may or may not be sleeping at, whether it's last night or any other night. But listen, this is not all about us talking about our thoughts and opinions on these people. I am very interested in listening to what these folks have to say. We have been in communication with them, and we have set up what I hope will be an interview. I, they, they were a little worried about how we would treat them. I think that they are concerned that they might be looked down upon by the news media. I, I really don't know if there have been people that have tried to interview them or if there have been any other podcast or broadcast that have tried to approach them. I'm not really sure on that. I, I don't understand, and, and maybe that's a question that we'll have to ask is, you know, why were you concerned about that? Because I think at the end of the day, you have to be able to hear all the questions and stand up for your work. I mean, I get lots of shit for various things that I do as a political activist and as a political commentator. I hear it all the time, and I let that shit roll right off me because I feel confident in what I do. I know that I know what I'm doing, and I know that at the end of the day, I'm going to be right. When I go toe-to-toe with somebody, I am in the right. So I feel very confident in standing up for what I do standing up for anything that I may say, and I wear this podcast and my actions as a badge of courage, and I feel like these folks have to do the same thing. So if there is a podcast or a news network or, or anyone else that would have something negative to say, I don't think that these folks should look at that in a bad light. They should go there. They should defend themselves against those words or questions or accusations, and they should present their case. And at the end of the day, then you have to let the chips fall where they may. If they are in the right and doing the right, they will be seen as such. And I, again, want to say, we aren't saying that what they're doing is wrong and that we're completely right and, you know, it's all bad. We're not saying that at all. We're just asking questions based off of, in my, from my point of view, questions that I've had for a while, questions I've had heard other people have asked, but in the last couple days since I've announced that we were going to do this, I have been receiving dozens and dozens of people stating various things, asking various questions, and having a conversation behind the scenes about this. And so we are offering them a chance to come on, to talk with us, and to give us the answers to all of these questions and more, and I absolutely hope that will be the very next episode. I hope that they take us up on that so that you, the listener, will be able to hear from these people, and it will help you to maybe feel better about this or for you to decide one way or another. But we're not throwing shade. We're just asking tough questions, and, and I hope that we get answers to the tough questions. Tough questions aren't bad questions. They're just tough. 
Bottom line is, we have to have tough conversations to decide what we think, what we believe, and how we're going to deal with situations within our lives and our communities. And look, uh, what I'm getting ready to say here might not be the most... uh, People might not like to hear it, and by and by no means making an excuse or standing up for anybody because I'm clearly not. But laws change, morals change, the way we look at things do change. The way that we feel about something today might not be how we felt about it 40 years ago, and how we feel about something today might definitely be different than how we feel in 40 years from now. Because I'm just going to be real honest There was a time in our history, and not too long ago, where an adult male could get married to a 15 or 16-year-old, and that was okay. Maybe even a 14-year-old. I mean, I'm starting to get really young, and I don't know that I would ever have been okay with that, but that is something that happened in history. And while that is no longer okay today, it just goes to show you how things change. And so we don't know what science is going to say tomorrow. We don't know how these people may be looked at in 50 years from now and how history looks at these folks for what they're doing today, you know, what side of of, of that are they going to come down on? And I'm not, again, throwing shade. I've said that many, many times throughout this because I'm I'm wanting people to just not hate because they think that I'm standing up for uh, a pedophile or or that I'm, I'm bashing these people for the job that they're doing. I'm certainly not. I'm just simply engaging in a tough conversation. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with asking why these people do what they do. What caused them to want to do this? Have they spoke with lawmakers? Have they spoke with the police within the jurisdictions that they operate in? What is the end goal? What are they trying to do here? And why do they do the things that they do? Are there thoughts about changing various tactics? You know, these are all very real conversations. And at the end of the day, it comes back to a fear for these folks' safety, for liability of, of everyone involved, uh, moreover, the liability of innocent bystanders around uh, or, or the folks that are engaging in this. And, uh, you know, just a concern for that. You know, again, the car only goes one of two directions. It goes forwards or it goes backwards. And when you're chasing after one of these targets and you get behind the car to get the license plate, what happens when they put it in reverse and back over you? I have seen what a vehicle does to a body when it runs over it, and it is not pretty. Why put yourself in that situation when all you're doing is exposing somebody? You're not making an arrest, so... Why do we need their license plate? Yeah, right. Why does all of Facebook need their temporary paper plate that they right. have on their car? Right. What in What in the world is anyone watching your Facebook live video unless you are also streaming this directly to a police department? What is that going to help in my opinion it seems like they're when they're doing that and maybe this is going to make them mad i don't know when they're doing that i i feel like they're calling for people to go out and 
Yeah. Hey, here's their license plate. Go fuck them up. Like, and maybe that's not what they're doing, but that that would be the perception of of what what it looks like. Yes, it's like those like videos on TikTok. Like, tell me you're a mom without telling me you're. Yes, a mom. right. Like, it's like, hey, go fuck these people up without me without, telling without you. Without me to go telling fuck these you, you're up. going. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And right. I'm, I I just I don't see what good that does. Even I, you know who lives with a police officer, I can't do anything with a license plate number. Right. What do you want me to do? Just look for it when I'm driving? Right, right. Like, what good is that going to do me? Right. Like, every time I'm out with my kids, oh, does, is that creeper over there? Right. Having that license plate number that I wrote down in the notes app on my phone from that <laughs> Predator Catchers of Muncie video? Right. Well, you know, even say they are working with law enforcement. As we've said, we don't know if they are one way or another or if they just do it as it pops up and as it arises. You know what I mean? But say they are working with law enforcement and they are taking steps to try to get a license plate to tell the police. They need to be able to do that in a more safe way. What I have seen, and this goes across the board for everyone that I've ever seen do this, Everybody's doing it in a very unsafe way. You do not want to get behind the wheels or in front of the wheels of the car. That is something they need to know across the board. And then, as I said, if I were running this business or if I had any suggestion to make, I would say amp it down a little bit. Don't start at the highest volume possible. Don't run up yelling, cussing, and carrying on. Approach them like you understand them and that's where you have to think like a cop in that moment if you go up there screaming and yelling and cussing and telling these people they're trash you're not going to get anything from them but if you can do some acting in that moment and you can talk like you understand why they would do this or that whether you do or not you might be able to have a conversation and this might lead to something that we don't know what yet but I just feel like that's something else I would consider because I think that it started off pretty tame and pretty calm and quiet, but as the views have increased and as the in the comments and likes increase and as the comments become more vitriolic and more rageful and more raw anger i feel like that is the tone that the meetings take as well and so it's it's kind of changed a bit i kind of feel like it went from dr phil yeah to the catch me outside, how about that? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. That's probably a pretty good analogy. And seeing that, I believe it makes sense why some people might feel that this is more about playing it up for the audience than actually what they're there to do. The last thing that I want to bring up is a concern that I have heard from multiple people and this concern comes from myself as well. And it's not necessarily pointed at the predator catcher groups, but it's pointed at everybody who does this. And it is the concern that these folks also be cognizant of their surroundings and they make sure that they are not doing something or acting in a way that may hurt other innocent bystanders who are around in their locations, and this is what I mean by that. As we've said earlier, some of their meetups happen in public places, obviously, and they happen inside businesses like Walmarts or Targets or other public stores. 
Now, I'm certain that the stores would not be happy about this and they would try to put a stop to it if they knew about it. And I have watched their videos before where they have done just that, where the group has met up with somebody, they're having a conversation, and store management comes up and says, hey, you people have to get, you can't be filming in here. And, and they always do it. They go outside and they finish the video that way. I've also watched it before where they've met up, did the entire meeting in the store, had their conversation, and both parties have went their separate ways, and that's been it, and that's been that. But I guarantee you the stores wouldn't be happy. That's not my issue. What my issue is, I have also watched videos where they have met up with people inside these department stores, and at some point the target or the suspect decides they're done with the conversation and they start walking away. And when they do that, in an attempt to, I guess, embarrass those people back to talk to them or to call them out or to shame them, the people in the group start yelling, hey, we were meeting up with this guy because he wanted to have sex with a child, which, okay, I guess that's okay, you know, depending on what you say. But I have also watched videos before where they have just started yelling obscenities, cussing at the individual, or going as far as saying this person was trying to suck little kid dick, or something that's just really, really inappropriate. And I have to say, I understand why they might be angry at that moment. I understand that emotions are high, but they have to remember that there are other people around them. There are elderly people there. There are women there. There are definitely children in, in these stores. And when you have these people from these groups acting like this in a vulgar way, it can be detrimental to the bystanders around. And so that has to be looked at. And they just always have to remember their surroundings and remember the perception that they are trying to create in people's minds. They're the good guys, so they need to always remember when they're wearing that white hat, when they're wearing that white shirt, they need to represent the good guys all the way around. All right, well, that sounds like a great place to wrap this episode up. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been in contact with the crew from Predator Catchers, Indianapolis, Muncie, and Anderson, and we have been dealing with scheduling because look at it this way. They want to bring at least one or two people on the show. There's two of us, so we have to be able to coordinate all of our schedules. We will try to do this as soon as possible, and I do want to tell everyone, as soon as I'm able to get the interview, I will edit it and get it out to everyone right away. I'll put it out as a bonus episode. I won't make you wait until next Tuesday. I will get it out just as soon as we possibly can get it, and hopefully we will have that soon. I hope the folks from Predator Catchers are still interested in chatting with us because I think that these questions need to be asked and I want them to have a chance to put their best foot forward and represent themselves and hopefully lift them up and, you know, support them if they're doing this for the very best reasons. So please be watching for that show. Amber, tell the folks where they can find you. I can be found on Facebook. My profile is Amber Green, green with an E. And my public page is a touch of green on Facebook as well. 
Alright folks, you know where you can find me, the studio line 765-546-9796. You can also catch me on my email at khbilbury at gmail.com or you can find me at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash bilbury318. That's Christopher H. Bilbury on Facebook. There I release the live at 8.35 or 9.35, depending on what time it is, the live video episodes seven days a week, so be sure to check those out. Also, as always, remember to share this show with everyone you know. Remind them we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites, or they can find us by simply Googling Bilbury Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. Do that today, and until next time remember to stay active stay involved stay safe god bless and we'll look forward to talking to you all again real soon bye-bye look i want to show you something that's really cool you can touch it it's okay juliana was sexually assaulted by her stepfather when she was only eight years old every incident he got bolder and bolder until one day he was bold enough to take my virginity when she was 15 she finally told her mother she kept asking me the same question over and over are you sure? Are you sure it wasn't a fantasy? Me and my mother no longer have a relationship. Juliana then found the volunteers at Rain, which help her and other sexual abuse survivors. That's why Rain plays such a huge part in my life, because I get to share my story and I get to empower other people. Call 800-656-HOPE or visit rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N.org for free, confidential, 24-7 support. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.